0: banking situation just got a whole lot scarier for way more people. Politicians in Oklahoma want teachers to beat kids with disabilities. The moist critical sneeko drama is getting super scary. People are freaking out about this Russia-US drone situation. We're going to talk about all that and so much more on this brand new Philip DeFranco show, so buckle up, hit that like button, make sure you're subscribed, and let's just jump into it. Yo, I wish I was making this up, but Republicans in Oklahoma want teachers to be able to hit children with disabilities. The sentence just sounds like an evil Mad Lib. Yesterday, we saw the House there fail to pass a bill that would have banned schools from using corporal punishment like hitting, spanking, and paddling on students with disabilities. Also, I have to apologize. I'm not, like, giddy. I just, I can't believe this. But the legislation, which, by the way, was literally introduced by a Republican, ultimately got 45 votes in favor and 43 against, which, a key thing here, that was six votes short of the 51 vote minimum needed to pass. According to reports, all of the no votes were cast by Republicans. Now, a key detail here is that Oklahoma, which is one of 19 states that still allow corporal punishment in public school, they do have a law that bans the use of corporal punishment for, quote, the most significant cognitive disabilities. But they can legally disregard that law if the parent or guardian signs a waiver. Which, by the way... Any parent signing that waiver, you better hope hell's not real. Also of note, the State Department of Education has technically prohibited public schools from physically punishing students with special needs since the 2020-21 school year, but, very importantly, that is not a legal law passed by the legislature, and it's a rule that apparently has been broken. the bill's sponsor, Republican State Representative John Talley, saying the data shows that 63 school districts in Oklahoma use corporal punishment on children with disabilities 455 times during the 2021-2022 school year. And the timing there is important because that is after the Education Department's rule was implemented, which is why to address the two loopholes, Tally's proposal would explicitly ban public schools from using corporal punishment on any student identified with a disability in accordance with the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act with no exceptions or waivers. The measure wouldn't even end corporal punishment for all students. This is a bottom-of-the-barrel bill, y'all. It's like, hey, I don't think teachers should be able to hit kids with disabilities. So with this, Tally also sharing his personal experience of being physically punished as a child and arguing, the students I'm trying to protect with this bill are those who probably don't understand why they're receiving corporal punishment and having a school spanking them for doing something they don't know any better to do seems absolutely wrong. And that was something that was also echoed by other lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, with many also noting that experts have widely said that physical discipline can be very detrimental and traumatic to children in the long run. And not just anecdotally, I'm talking about medical organizations like the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Psychological Association, both of which have warned that physical punishment can create academic, emotional, and behavioral problems. I mean, y'all, the UN literally considers corporal punishment a fucking human rights violation. Well, I never expected this legislature to see eye-to-eye on corporal punishment in general, to see that there was this massive level of Republican opposition to you can't hit kids with disabilities is fucking unimaginable. Like the people who voted against this are comic book villains. But no one sets out to be a comic book villain, so it begs the question, well, how are they justifying this? And if you grew up with it, you probably already know the answer, God and religion. With Republican representative Jim Olsen saying, all these expert opinions, they don't matter because the Bible. With him literally saying, God's word is higher than all the so-called experts and adding, you know, several scriptures could be read here. Let me just read just one. Proverbs 29, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So that would seem to endorse the use of corporal punishment. So how would you reconcile this bill with with scripture's counsel on this matter. Hey Olson, the only one bringing shame to their mother is you, fuckface. Your absolute stupidity is mind-boggling. And this was actually something hit on by Representative Talley, who, by the way, is literally a minister (laughs) and who argued that Olson's religious interpretation is bogus, saying, why don't we follow all the other Old Testament laws? There's about 4,000 of them and one of them is not to allow wives to wear jewelry or stone your child if they're disobedient. Why don't we do that? Because we pick and choose what we want to follow. But unfortunately, this is the world we live in and Olson and so many others refuse to take the advice of don't be stupid, stupid. And then we need to talk about Rasheem Carter. Carter was a 25-year-old black man who was reported missing in Southeast Mississippi back on October 2nd. And a month later, on November 2nd, the Smith County Sheriff's Office said in a Facebook post that his remains had been found in a wooded area near the town of Taylorsville, around 20 miles away from the city of Laurel, where he had lived. With the Sheriff's Office explicitly writing, at this time, we have no reason to believe foul play was involved, but the case is still under investigation. And well, the reason that we're talking about this all these months later is because Carter's family and their attorneys are now saying they believe that he was murdered in a brutal hate crime. Accusing the police of stonewalling for months, saying they failed to properly investigate the matter and calling for a federal inquiry. With prominent civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, who's representing the family, saying in a press conference earlier this week that an independent autopsy showed that Carter had been decapitated. Crump saying that literally, his vertebrae and spinal cord were found in a different location from his head. And authorities have also recently found other body parts that they believe to be Carter's. This was a nefarious act. This was an evil act. Somebody murdered. Rasim Carter. There's nothing natural about this. It screams out for justice. What we have is a Mississippi lynching. Also during that press conference, Rashim's mother, Tiffany Carter described some very concerning things that happened before her son went missing. But they're saying that on October 1st, one day before Carter went missing, he texted her saying that he and a business owner she did not identify were not seeing eye to eye. And they're allegedly writing, if anything happened to me, he's responsible for it. I'm too smart, mama. He got these guys wanting to kill me. And what's more is that Carter's mom said she also had a very alarming phone conversation with him the same day. My son told me that um, it was three truckloads of white guys trying to kill him. And uh, at the time that he told me, as a mother, you know, I had to think fast. So I told him, you know, to go to the police station because I felt in my heart that they would serve and protect like they obligated to do. They did not help him. Mm -hmm. He asked for help but they didn't help him. Stephanie Carter also telling local reporters that specifically her son had gone to Taylorsville Police for help and asked for a ride back to Laurel, but the officers refused. And actually, Taylorsville Police Chief Gabe Horn confirmed to reporters that Rasheem had indeed gone to the department, but saying that the officers just couldn't give him a ride because of staffing and liability issues. And claiming he told the officer that night that he and his roommates had a verbal disagreement and he felt threatened and that was it. Rasheem did tell the officer that night that was up here that he had a ride coming and the officer advised him, you're more than welcome to stay at the police department. But claiming Rasheem said, no, sir, I dropped a pin and where I wanted to be picked up. But a key thing there is that seems to contradict what other law enforcement agents have said. With Smith County Sheriff Joel Houston telling a local outlet back in November that when Carter spoke to the police, he quote, never seemed to be in any distress or anything, and he never mentioned anything about being in immediate danger. And in statements to the Washington Post yesterday, Houston argued that there's no evidence to substantiate any of the claims that Rasheem Carter was murdered, and adding, there's no indication that someone killed him. The evidence we do have coincide with what animals would do to a body. Houston also pushed back on the claim that police mishandled the case in any way, saying that he welcomed a federal investigation and continued continuing there's nothing to be swept under the rug or hidden in that nature so that's where we are right now with this one we're gonna obviously keep a close eye for more information but in the meantime let me know your thoughts and of course make sure you subscribe to stay in the loop and then also remember that moist critical sneeko drama that we talked about earlier this week well that has escalated in a way i did not expect because apparently charlie and a chunk of the internet dunked on sneeko so hard that on one of his next streams he whipped out a gun and uh, i'll let moist explain it got really under his skin in a big way so he started dancing around with the gun and threatening to come shoot me. So he kept saying, oh, you're in Tampa, right? I'll come see you. Waving his gun around and dancing. Nico ultimately saying, oh, you wanna watch my clips? Watch my clips. Charlie then responding like gun instructor Jesus. And I'm sorry to be that guy. This is like the grammar police of guns, but he's a imbecile. You absolute buffoon. What you have there is not clips. These are mags. They're mags, not clips. You absolute dummy. The same way that this is also a man. <laughs> They're all mags. Stop saying clips. You look f- stupid here. Anyway, sorry for the gun anatomy lesson. So yeah, everything on the internet is uh, super chill uh, and okay right now. And then if you leak something from Marvel, know that they're gonna come after you. With a Variety reporting right now that Marvel is trying to track down people who allegedly leaked a 63-page transcript of dialogue from Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Where the movie wasn't released until mid-February, but around January 20th, dialogue was leaked on the Marvel Studios spoilers subreddit. And so Marvel has actually filed a request in a federal district court in California asking to issue a subpoena for Reddit to reveal who's responsible and specifically seeking all identifying information for the user mss mods and any other users responsible for posting editing and or maintaining the content with them also filing a similar request to google as someone shared the transcript on a google doc as well now currently it's unclear if either company plans to comply without a doubt they want to make an example of this person or these people but so the good news for marvel is it doesn't look like it actually hurt the movie with quantum already domestically outgrossing the original 2015 ant-man film though it might have hurt it because it's still behind its 2018 sequel though so that could also be just from superhero movies Fatigue, With it seeming, at least from people that are being vocal about it, there being a, a bigger and bigger disconnect as the, the, the franchise moves forward. And then, but also not the end of legal news in the entertainment sphere, so this one deals with Netflix and the series Making a Murderer. Because a judge just ruled that a retired detective featured in the series was not defamed by Netflix. Right, that documentary, I can't believe it's been so long, came out in 2015. And it was lauded at the time as one of the most significant shows on the platform, and even credited with prompting a new wave of fascination with true crime. I mean, you had nearly 20 million people watching it in the first 35 days that it was available. But then, in April of 2019, Detective Andrew Colborne filed a lawsuit accusing Netflix of defamation, saying that the series misquoted his testimony by editing snippets and including reactions of others to make him look nervous. And Rolling Stone reporting that at one point he claimed that the show omitted, distorted, and falsified material and significant facts in an effort to portray Colborne as a corrupt police officer who planted evidence to frame an innocent man. And further alleging that the filmmakers did so with actual malice and in order to make the film more profitable and more successful, sacrificing and defining Colborne's character and reputation in the process. But as the Associated Press reported, a U.S. district judge in Wisconsin sided with Netflix over the matter saying that the filmmakers did not act with any malice. And also adding that the edits in the film retain the gist of Colburn's testimony. And then, I wanna take time to wish our fantastic partner and the sponsor of today's show, Ridge, a happy 10th year anniversary. With 10 years of great reviews and iconic wallets, Ridge is obsessed with making durable, space-saving gear that you'll actually use. Ridge is all about your everyday organization with the chic, minimalist wallets, key case, rings, and watches. Personally, I love that Ridge is a minimalist front pocket wallet that's slim RFID blocking and comes with a lifetime guarantee. Seriously, it holds up to 12 cards cards, plus room for cash. They come in titanium, carbon fiber, and aluminum, and on top of that, there are tons of different styles and colors to choose from. And easily, my new favorite item is their durable key case that holds up to six keys. It takes out the clunky jingle of the regular key ring experience, and it's just cool. To so celebrate 10 years of Ridge and head over to ridge.com slash defranco for their best offer of up to 40% off until March 24th. And the Ridge team is so confident that you'll like it, they'll let you test drive it for 99 days. You don't love it, you send it back for a full refund. So what are you waiting for? Go to ridge.com slash defranco to get up to 40% off right now. And then, for the first 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 time since the Ukraine war began a year ago, Russia and the United States had a direct military confrontation. Oh, good, great. So strap on your gas masks, boys and girls, let's talk about it. Because at the center of this is an American MQ-9 Reaper drone, an utterly massive unmanned aircraft boasting a 66-foot wingspan and costing $32 million. And according to Washington, it was conducting a routine surveillance operation over the Black Sea and international airspace west of Crimea, but supposedly well clear of any Ukrainian territory. But that is when two Russian Su-27 fighter jets swooped in to intercept, allegedly flying around and in front of the drone for 30 to 40 minutes minutes also dumping fuel on it and then one of the jets allegedly struck the drone's propeller and when i say struck i don't mean they shot a missile or bullets at it i mean this motherfucker physically collided with the drone in midair likely damaging itself and definitely forcing the drone to crash land in the water but moscow big surprise has a different story saying the american drone was flying close to the russian border and intruded on an area declared off limits admitting that his fighter jets did move in to intercept but then claiming as a result of sharp maneuver the u.s drone went into uncontrollable flight with a loss of altitude and collided with water surface or essentially saying they didn't make physical contact with it i don't know if they're claiming like they did one of these and America flinched. But whatever the case may be, right? Whatever happened, it's still unclear whether this was all intentional. Though some say it's more likely an accident because it would be extremely hard for a pilot to deliberately strike another aircraft without jeopardizing him or herself. But in the meantime, we're seeing both sides seeking to de-escalate, with the State Department summoning the Russian ambassador for a meeting on Tuesday. And as for the leftover drone, the White House says that it crashed into very deep water and that recovery may not be possible. But then you have the Russians saying they're going to attempt it anyway, and if they succeed, they could get their hands on some sensitive technology. But at the very least, the the one maybe silver lining to this situation, and it is a very slick silver lining. is everyone, including Russia, should be grateful this was an unmanned drone. Because if an American was in that aircraft, this could have easily been seen as an act of war. And there's really nothing that unites Americans more than someone else fucking with us. America has historically taken that shit very seriously and even made some people glow. And then, remember how yesterday I said things look maybe kind of hopeful for banks rebounding, but we need to wait for the long term? Well, apparently, uh, we didn't have to wait that long. Because the Swiss banking giant Credit Suisse just released an annual report disclosing what it called material weaknesses in its past financial reporting, and adding that fixes the issue could be very expensive, and the trouble could ultimately impact the bank's access to capital markets and subject it to potential regulatory investigations and sanctions. Which then prompted the bank's biggest investor, Saudi National Bank, to say it would not shore up Credit Suisse by purchasing more shares. And so when that news broke, the bank's stock plummeted 30%, leading to some panic, with regulators checking lenders' exposure to Credit Suisse and finance ministers meeting to prepare for what might happen. Though a key thing here is that this didn't just come out of nowhere. For several years, this bank has struggled with scandals, financial losses, and risk and compliance problems. But very importantly, watching Credit Suisse like this is much scarier than what happened to a regional bank like sVb right we're now talking about a bank with a much bigger balance sheet that is far more entangled in the global financial system and therefore has more potential to cause a massive ripple effect which we've actually already seen happen in some ways with the two banks that rebounded yesterday falling back down today though not as massively right first Republican Western Alliance dropping 16 percent and six percent you also saw European stocks did with two French banks getting hit the worst at 12 percent and nine percent and a German bank sliding eight percent and all this leading several bank stops to temporarily suspend training amid the instability and so all this chaos might be throwing a wrench into the European Central Bank's expected decision tomorrow to fend off inflation by raising interest rates. And so all of this happening right now, it appears to confirm that the banking shakiness is not limited to Silicon Valley. But again, we're talking about short-term stuff and we have to have a long-term vision. And only time can tell if these are one-off events or we're gonna see a contagion that infects the entire financial sector. Which once again is why the smartest investors, like myself, have put all of our money into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action figures. And then, vinyl is now the single most popular form of physical media. But it's starting to outsell CDs last year and even going up 17% bring in $1.2 billion in 2022. You can thank Taylor Swift for a lot of this, with her being the leading artist in this space by a mile. Marking nearly 1.7 million sales, which as Billboard noted accounts for nearly 1 out of every 25 LP vinyl sales. And it's not just new artists selling collector pieces. One of the biggest players in the space is Metallica. With Billboard reporting that they sell so much vinyl, they just bought their own pressing plant. Pressing 902,000 pieces last year, and of their sales about half are from the US. Which is also why I told Zed we have to put out a vinyl of the last few months of Freestyle the News. Which also remember, very big announcement coming this Sunday. Make sure you come back for that. And then, we've got fantastic news for those of you that need insulin, because it's no longer just Eli Lilly. Novo Nordis, one of the biggest sellers of insulin in the United States, is now massively dropping prices. With them cutting prices in the United States for certain products by up to 75%, with prices also reportedly being cut for their unbranded insulin products. But remember, before you give them a big old hug, they're not doing it out of the kindness of their heart. There's been so much public pressure, legal pressure, and of course market pressure with Eli Lilly making this move earlier. But don't let that stop you from being happy. When stuff sucks less, enjoy. We also just saw the FDA approving a new nasal spray for migraines, with reports noting that this Pfizer treatment applies an approach that's different from some other products, which doctors say make it safer for people at risk of heart attacks or stroke. But before we celebrate too much, this is not a one-and-done grand slam. With reports noting, according to the clinical trial results, people who took the medication were more likely to report returning to normal function 30 minutes to two hours after taking it. When focusing on how people felt two hours after using, 24% of the people who took the medication said they felt free from pain, which notably was only 9% higher than those who took a placebo. Though I imagine for something as debilitating as an intense Tense migraine is any sort of relief, any sort of help to quality of life. Could be a win. The medication, which is going to be sold as Zavspret, is expected to hit pharmacies in July. And then we've got Zuckerberg and Meta just laying off people left and right. With Zuck saying yesterday, you know, this is the year of efficiency that they're planning to lay off 10,000 more people. And notably, this just a few months after they laid off 11,000 people. And with that, also closing thousands of open job listings. But a key thing is that even after this newest round of layoffs, they'll still have more people than they did pre-pandemic, which of course was when everyone started hiring like fucking crazy. You know, because everyone was like, "This is how things are going to be forever. We need to grow." And Philip Defranco needs. To invest way too much money into Peloton. That is also a good investment, but obviously it didn't. So I have to look at my very sad-looking portfolio, and other people have to look at the fact that I think 180,000-ish people have been laid off just in January and February alone. ChatGPT is getting much, much smarter with the release of ChatGPT 4. Some of the biggest changes being not only does it understand text, it can understand images now. And also by comparison, the new version's making ChatGPT 3.5 look stupid. With examples being used like on a simulated bar exam, the previous version scored in the bottom 10 percent, the new version top 10 percent. That said, there are still issues. As places like The Verge have noted, there are safety concerns. With OpenAI saying, on the one hand, in an internal test, it was 82% less likely to respond to requests for disallowed content, and 40% more likely to produce factual responses. But on the other hand, Microsoft revealed that its Bing chatbot has actually been powered by GPT-4, with reports noting many users were still able to break Bing's guardrails, and getting the bot to offer dangerous advice, threaten users, and just make up information. And there are other limitations to GPT-4, like it not having any knowledge about what has happened since September of 2021. But the robots are coming, and they're coming fast. Buffalo Wild Wings is currently facing a class action lawsuit over their boneless wings to which you may respond do you mean chicken nuggets and that is actually why a class action lawsuit was filed against them in Chicago The lawsuit reportedly stating that people believe that buffalo wild wings boneless chicken wings were actually deboned wings but saying they're not they are just chicken nuggets and thus this is false advertising and the lawsuit essentially is saying because I was advertised to falsely I ordered a product that I would not have ordered otherwise and thus I've been financially injured so I've got to ask you beautiful bastards what side of this war are you on and that is where today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching, hitting that like button, being subscribed to my daily dives into the news. Just trying to make the clusterfuck that is the news a little more consumable. But as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.